and that leads up to the moment that almost made me cry this morning. You know, you hear people talk about it with fishing. It's always the one that got away. I had my pre-record, and that eagle flew off when that boat went by, but I wasn't in slow-mo. There's always something. I'm, I'm going to have to break my piggy bank in order to do it, because it's kind of spendy, right. but it'll be fun. I'm going to sell a vehicle when we get back. <laughs> now we're going to have to really search. Pick our shots. Pick our pick, shots, yeah. do a little research, talk to the locals. Podcast number two from Homer, Alaska. So this will encompass what? Day two and day, day three. Day two and three, yep. And what... Well, let's start out with the start of day two. What was that? Well, we had we had spent some money um, yesterday or the day before trying to uh, get out to a little bit different spot. We decided that we were going to wait for an evening before we did that again. We, we do want to do it one more time because there are a lot more birds um, in that location. But it is expensive, so we kind of want to bide our time and wait for the light. Uh, we've been watching the weather very carefully and pretty consistently. Sometimes it's spot on, sometimes it's a little off. Last night was supposed to be cloudy, um, but there was some sun shining into that bay. But there's just no way to know exactly what the light's going to look like over there. So I think we made a good call uh, waiting. And it looks like there's good weather ahead of us, so we'll go ahead. But going back to the morning of day two, there was there was some cloud cover, and so we decided to stick around uh, a little bit closer to town. The issue is it's just a little bit slow, and I think talking to you about what it's been historically, it's a little bit slower than that as well, right? Yeah, historically, and I don't know how many people know about this, but there used to be a woman here in Homer that would feed eagles. She was known as the Eagle Lady. Her name was Jean. And um, photographers caught on really quick, so they would show up here. And she fed twice a day. And she had this whole little system set up. And so it was awesome because you had you know, three or 400 eagles around. But that's probably why there were so many eagles is because she was feeding them, right? But it is an area where there are a lot of eagles. So that feeding doesn't go on anymore. And there's still, what would you say, every day we probably see 50? In that location? Just around, around Homer. Yeah, around Homer. There, there are eagles everywhere. I mean, if you think about, if you put it in the perspective of Wyoming or Colorado, I mean, you might see four or five a day but you know you might cover 90 miles to do that right you know even more sometimes the year but there is a very high density here um of the eagle population and that's winter and summer i've been here in the summer several times and you i don't think you see as many eagles as we're seeing now this time of year but in the summer you probably see so i would say if we're seeing 50 now we'll probably see 25 in the summertime Mm-hmm. So you still are going to see eagles in the, even in the summertime, which at higher densities that you would than you would find anywhere else. Right. Which yeah, which makes it a you know makes it the place to be. Now that being said, we've been 
on land the last couple of days, and it's a little bit different story. It's a little bit tougher to find an image. Uh, we did find yesterday morning. Uh, we did find a, an immature bald eagle that was kind of perched on this point overlooking the ocean, overlooking the inlet. And so initially we stopped to look at him, and then it turned out there was a mature bird that was right behind him. And so it turned into a pretty good opportunity. It wasn't, you know, I did get some good stills, good portraits, uh, but it wasn't as good of a still shot or still portrait because of the background as it was for video. And I think you, you know, given your eye for for the video that you've done in the past, I think that's what you saw and decided let's let's go ahead and spend some time on this. And we had to spend some time because these eagles were sitting, I don't even know how to describe it. One was sitting on a root ball, the mature. The immature was sitting basically on the ground in the grass. But they're sitting on a high point, so they're overlooking the ocean. And when you get out, you know, you park a distance away so you don't bump the eagles. And then you basically just shoot from the car where you're at so that there's that period of time where you want the animal or whatever it is, in this case, the eagle, to get used to our presence. Now, these eagles here are super used to people because there's activity everywhere. Right. There's yeah. boats, there's fishermen, there's tourists, there's you name it, it's going on. So it's not like some areas, well, like in Colorado, I know a lot of people would, out at the Rocky Mountain Arsenal, there would be eagles. And man, you even got close and that eagle's going to take off out of the tree and leave. Right. Here, that's not the situation. But you still need to, You. it's not like you can jump out of the car and run right up to that eagle and get your right. shot. So we got out and uh, basically just shot from the car, which was, I don't know, how far was that? It's probably it was 50 probably yards. 50 yards at least. Yeah, and, you know, as Mike just alluded to, there's, they're not just used to people, but there's a, a road that goes right by where these birds were sitting. There's a walking path that goes right by the, where these birds are sitting. There's a lot of activity. They've chosen to put themselves there. Um, and that's what made it a good opportunity, aside from, you know, just where they were at. I think that's why Homer is good in general for the eagles, is they are accustomed to people, accustomed right. to activity. So... Uh, we started out with that 50 yards, but the process is, is we spent an hour and a half and you might move up 10 feet. Yeah. And then you try to recompose a new shot, either zoom in, zoom out, wide, tight, whatever you're going to do and get that next shot and, and just be a little bit closer, but not move up so much that you're going to make the birds nervous. And it's really just a matter of watching behavior, right? You just watch those eagles do what they do. And if they're turning their head really fast or if they're fidgety, you've gone too far. So you really, it's just that, it's that whole animal behavior thing that you're constantly watching just to make sure that that there's no sense of urgency. So slow, slow moving. And we would leapfrog yeah. it. So I would set up, and I would start shooting, and I was doing all video yesterday. I would start shooting, and then while when I had a shot and I was actually filming, then it was your chance to move forward. That way where somebody's always shooting something. Right. Then you got to move forward, and then we'd both shoot there for what? 5, 10, 15 minutes, maybe. Yep. And then 
then I would take another 10 steps forward. And we did this for an hour and a half and we ended up getting, the immature ended up flying off because a car drove by. But we still had that mature bird there. And I wonder, I was thinking about that. I wonder if those immature birds are just, they just don't have enough years. And so they get nervous with just about whatever. Not relaxed. Yeah. Just like a teenager. Exactly. Always fidgety. Yep. Because when you get to that, the immature eagle, there was no, that bird was fine. He was just, or he or she, whatever, was totally fine with our presence relaxed and doing what it was doing when we before we got there so and it's cool to to have all this time too because then you get to watch what they're doing right and you i I always wonder what's going through this mind of this eagle as you know he's just sitting there he or she's just sitting there passing the time but every now and then it's like a i don't know something on the ground will catch their eye now this mature eagle was sitting on a root ball so he's probably two two feet off the ground but every now and then it looked straight down and like it was, I don't think there's many bugs out now because it's still too cold, but something would catch his eye and that's kind of a cool behavior kind of thing too. Yeah. They'd be looking down and looking around. So we did that for another hour and we ended up getting what, 20 yards away finally. Yeah. I think, you know, you had wanted to get some footage up close of the, uh, not necessarily up close, but you wanted to get to the point where you could get a headshot and get some slow motion video of just a headshot. And this bird was so relaxed that it was, it made for that possibility. It was hard though. I mean, I've got a lot of reach with that two to 400 with the right. one four. And then the camera I'm using is 8K, but it'll shoot at 4K, which mm-hmm. gives you more multipliers. But even at 4K with the one four and the 400, I was still, I didn't get the shot that I wanted. I think I need to be 10 yards away. But I wasn't willing to push that. I knew if I got 10 yards away, that bird was going to fly. And it just isn't worth it. So I just basically went with what I got. So I ended up with a crop that was about the middle of the body and then left some headspace. And and it's a good shot. It's it's nice for sure. And if we're going to edit something, I shot it in 4K. So if we're going to edit something, we're going to probably play it back in 2K. So that means I could crop in in the edit another 2K or half half of it. And then you're going to get to that shot that I wanted anyway. So mm-hmm. the cool thing about what I was doing too is you want that movement. You want a little action. You want something going on. And with video, it's difficult. With stills, you can just push the button whenever you want to. With video, you either roll the whole time or you try to predict a movement and it's super hard to do. You just mm-hmm. never know when something's gonna happen. So I ended up uh, using that pre-record feature that's on my camera. So I have it set at 12 seconds. So as long as the camera's on and I've pushed pre-record, my camera will record everything. And then if that eagle does something that's cool, whether it's looking down at the ground or looking at its feet or looking out at another eagle or singing or whatever it's doing, I can hit the button and then I got the last 12 seconds, which is kind of cool. That saves yeah. your, saves a lot of hard drive space is what that does. Yeah, and this was, this was the first time that I've really tested my camera out with video. I mean, I have, I have a good DSLR, Nikon D850, it's got fantastic image quality, got a large sensor, um, but I've never done video with it. I've always done video with just my camcorder. 
And so this was a good opportunity to test that out. Uh, test, I didn't really test out the autofocus abilities, um, and I've heard that's where the, uh, the Achilles heel is with this camera and video because that eagle was always in the same focal plane. So there was no reason to, to be too concerned about, you know, testing out the autofocus. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, you know, I had to, I had to go down to 1080p. Couldn't shoot. It does shoot at 4k, but it won't shoot slow motion at 4k. It was also the first time that I've played with slow motion video. Um, aside from just on my kind of high end pro end camcorder. And I have to say that the, the images that that I got, I was pretty happy with. You're hooked. I am. He made a comment this morning. He's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to start shooting more video. I did. I said, you know, you screwed me. <laughs> because I was perfectly content to uh, to shoot stills and just, you know, get those moments that that occur while you're out in the field. But now I'm completely screwed. I'm going to be out there twice as long. And I'm going to be frustrated because there's so much to learn on this end of things as well. Although there are a lot of carryovers, um, there is a lot to learn. Yeah, and I think the carrier, carryovers are all composition, exposure, all that kind of stuff is the same as what you're doing with the steel. And the composition of something that is stationary is very similar to what, how we would shoot a steel. What the difficult things are is, okay, we need composition when they're moving and then it's not just one and done now all of a sudden you've got this really cool bit of video but what do you do with that i mean right. yeah you could use that for instagram as a one-off and that's fine but if you're going to build a story now you need 50 of those shots 50 different birds or 50 different uh compositions 50 different things to tell that story about that animal so it is so much more involved when you're shooting video it's mm. just you start thinking about that way. And then I also think about it for stock, you know, and a lot of the things that we're doing, that's my first mindset is like, okay, these TV channels that are doing shows on Alaska, they always need Eagle footage. If I can get something in 4k, that's a little different. That one off is going to work. Cause I could sell that footage to a network. Um, but if we're going to use it ourselves for Instagram, that one off will work with that too. But then, if you're going to come back and produce a little story about, say, our trip here, we want every little situation shot in video. So it's so much more involved because you can't just say one and done. You need 50 or 100 different shots to tell a story. And I think you ran into that last night. I went to bed and you were up editing your video for, what, at least another hour. Yeah. Just because, to try to put something together. Yeah, just trying to find those like you said, those little behaviors, those little head twitches, head turns, the blink of the eye, um, all those little elements that people don't get to see, that's what is going to make good video. So trying to put together a little bit more of the story with just a bird in one spot. You know, there, there still is a story to be told, although it's a little bit more brief. And it, it doesn't give a complete picture, but it does give people more than what they're going to see from their, you know, their vehicle, that type of thing. Well, and I think you can look at that. So, yeah, you can definitely tell a story from that one encounter, right? So you, mm -hmm. but the way you do that is you have wide shots, you have tight shots, you have 
an immature bird, you have a mature bird. You have an right. uh, eagle looking to the right, eagle looking to the left, an eagle preening, an eagle shaking its feathers off. It's all these little elements that, yeah, in, in I mean, it's not going to be a big, long story, but it will certainly be a story that would encapsulate that encounter, which is kind of cool. And in today's right. world, that's that's the attention span of most people. So if you can get out there and get 20, 30 good shots, you could do a really awesome little video for Facebook or Instagram or something mm-hmm. that encapsulates that experience. Yeah. And it, you know, it bit us, bit me in the butt this morning, which we'll get to. <laughs> but yeah, it, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And to be quite honest, and we've talked about this before, uh, some of these opportunities that we videoed are not places that I would want a still. I mean, like I said, that that bird I got a couple great portraits of, but the the video does add a whole other dimension. And and that was the bird that we had the opportunity with. It really wasn't. We had looked around. There really wasn't anything else that um, was around other than things birds that were on man made structures which, you know, we'll talk about that as well. But this bird was on an, that root ball, which had washed up as driftwood, you know, obviously got washed up in a storm somewhere, exposed all the roots. That root ball ended up up on the top of this bank. And it makes for an interesting perch mm-hmm. for video and, um, and stills, actually. Yeah, I think if both of us were shooting stills, we'd have probably been... We could have spent 20 minutes and been out of there. Easily, yeah. And that would have been taking our time. Could have been done in five minutes if to get the shot. Because we're not going to push the bird. We're not going to bump the bird. We're not going to make him fly just so we can get a flight shot. We're just going to shoot that portrait and be done. With video, now you're a whole different mindset. And it's like, okay, how can I tell a story about this particular bird? And now I've got movement. So he happened to be sitting on that root ball, which was next to grass. The wind was blowing, so you'd see feathers ruffled up from the wind. You would see the grass blowing a little bit on the sides. So you can use that to tell that mm-hmm. story. Hey, it's a little bit breezy. And then all these it's different elements. So you got to be thinking about all that when you're out there shooting everything to make sure you have enough to tell all the elements of that story that you experienced. Right. So it was perfect. So we got, what, an hour and a half, and then eventually a car did drive by, and a bird bumped That it. bird bumped out. Yep. But it could have been he was there for an hour and a half, too. He could have right. been like, it's you just know time what, I'm to just go. done. Yeah. I don't feel like we pushed him off at all. Um, you know, after spending an hour and a half, I don't think we would have caused that problem, but and it wasn't a problem. I mean, these eagles can go wherever they want to go. So after that, we... One thing about Alaska this time of year is it's just like the low, it's just like anywhere lower forty eight. You have really good light from sunrise to about ten. Then the sun gets pretty high in the sky, and unless you have clouds, you're pretty much done. Especially when you're shooting eagles that have white heads, white because head, yeah. there's the exposure on that. And we talked about that a little bit. I don't and know I think, if it's something we want to go into on the podcast, but well, I think the one thing that exacerbates that problem is. The water's so still, it's like a mirror. So, yeah, even in the lower 48 where I'm shooting on the prairie, it is not as bright because here it's like there's a mirror on the ground. And so it's it's reflecting that light also, in addition to the sun just being high. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there is just no reason to shoot. Number one, you're getting thermals. Number two, 
it is just harsh, harsh. Yeah. So uh, after that eagle, we pretty much hung it up for the day because it yeah. was kind of bright out, and we came back. And the other cool thing about that is, is you come back and download all the stuff. I was shooting the red yesterday, which meant I shot just on that one eagle, 256 gigabytes worth of stuff. So it takes a little bit of time to download 256 gigs. And then, of course, you're kind of excited, so you want to look at it. So we spent a couple hours doing that. Um, and that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And in that process, uh, one of the things that we're always trying to do is the more you can talk to locals, the more you can find out about an area. And I know a little bit about Homer, but I there's so much to know and anytime you get a chance to talk to somebody local you want to try to bend their ear and say so hey where's a good place to find eagles or do you ever see any bears around here or what's a good boat service to use or what's whatever what's the moose situation the moose situation exactly so we ended up talking with the guy who i don't know what he does here at these cabins he's the he's a maintenance man where we're staying he's kind of the manager manager of the area so they knock he knocked on the door because he had to deliver something to the room a piece of furniture that they were adding and we ended up talking with that guy for what two hours at least yeah and the the funny thing is is we've talked to we've talked to a couple locals in depth and both of them um had degrees in biology and that's what kind of drew them to alaska mm-hmm. and so it was very interesting conversation not just you know on that end of the spectrum not just to get the local knowledge but also you know, what What drew you up here? The one guy's been here for 20 years now. He's from the, the Midwest. Yep. Came up 20 years ago, never left. Now he's got a family here, and this is home. And it kind of sounds like Matt, the guy we talked to yesterday, he, he would probably be a lifer here as well, but he's so young, and he's got worldwide travel ambitions yeah. for wildlife, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So he's probably not going to stick around here in Alaska, but he's had that experience and now he's ready to say, okay, now what else? And yeah. I think he knew that we've been doing this for so long and, and we've been exposed to quite a few things. We just started talking and he just couldn't shut us up. He couldn't yeah, shut a, me up. It was a fun conversation. And then by the end of it, you know, he we find out that he's also starting to dabble in some photography, uh, dabble in documenting his travels, that kind of thing. So it, it kind of led into a whole other direction. And he's actually going to come back over today, and we're going to help him out with his camera a little bit and uh, probably get to visit with him a little bit more. We're going to get him off auto. Back out. He said he was yep. an auto guy. He's an auto shooter, and we're going to try to explain the advantages of getting himself broken away from that and what else he's able to do with the camera as he travels. So after that little experience, we left and went out in the evening for hopefully some evening light, but we did have a lot of clouds, so I didn't have high hopes, but I knew we'd find some eagles. I just wasn't sure what we were going to find, and we did. We actually found a tremendous opportunity. The problem was is they were about 200 yards from where we needed them to be, but there were there were five birds, and they were basically bathing in a a tidal flat. Um, they were in the water, preening, washing themselves off. These birds get, and you, you know, you'll see in some of the images that we put up, there's a lot of black sand or dark sand. So their tails get really dirty. Wings can get dirty. Um, in the salt water, 
you know they they do get the the salt water in their feathers when they're when they're fishing when they're hunting the waterfowl that kind of thing so they'll spend some time in the little freshwater pockets kind of cleaning up and even to to get a drink and these birds were all bathing and we watched them from a, a long ways away it was probably what three four hundred yards yeah where we were sitting and then you know we thought we might be able to get close enough at least for mike to get some video and they were just done by the time we even got over to where we would start yeah and the situation was is we thought we'd be able to park in a different area and walk yeah make it 200 yards closer but you get over there and you find out oh no this is all private property it's all, private and it's land. all we can't access posted it. no trespassing and of course we we don't do that so then so we had to go back to where to we started and then started what we did walk out there but by the time we got there there was nothing going yeah. on yeah it was all done which was unfortunate but you know it's one of those things it's fun to see yeah it even was super though cool we to see. and then he knows too i mean if okay if that's if those birds are here today we know we don't waste any time driving around we'll we'll just start walking out there and yep. then walking out there at least gave us an idea of okay well we could possibly shoot from this point mm-hmm. but i don't know where they were at was so far away i don't know that we would ever get any the thing is if you owned a house over there if you knew somebody that would let you park and go through their property you'd be set. yeah you could stay in the tree line and have some have some cover and you not, would be set that would yeah. be beautiful but i don't think it's i mean i don't know we didn't see anybody over there even to ask no so. But it, the day wasn't lost because we got over to the marina and we found an otter. We did. We found two otters, actually. The uh, the same mother with the, the young one. I'm not sure what an otter baby is called. I'm going to look a that pup. up while we're talking. Is it? Uh-huh. Okay. So I found this mom and a pup and they were uh, diving for barnacles off of the dock, basically off the boat slips and uh, barnacles oysters whatever they were fine and they were bringing up a little bit of everything they were bring bringing up crunchy items they were definitely crunchy you could hear them you could hear them before we even got down there crunching on these things bite just biting through what was cool is this time of year there's activity around homer there's fishermen there's boats a lot of the deadliest catch boats are here but they're all kind of docked up they're not busy but right. there's a lot of little little fishing operations that are still out there fishing but if you come here in the summer it is non-stop because there's light almost 24 hours a day right so there's activity all the time last night you get there and it was dead calm the water was flat Mm. there was one boat that we saw guys working on and they actually left guys were yeah they departed it right before dark but i think that's why those otters were in there i've never seen otters here in the marina i'm not you know i've only been here a handful of times but that's probably why there was just not a lot of activity it was flat water it's probably a safer area for your mom to have her pup there and not have to deal with all this other stuff out in the open ocean and it was pretty cool light wasn't perfect could have been better but no it was it was tough shooting but get again it was just uh fun to watch yeah it was starting to get dark Number one, number two, we were shooting from the wrong side of the of the light. Uh, we were kind of shooting back into the sun as it was setting, just because that's where the otters went, and we couldn't couldn't work our way around them all the time because they were out in the middle of 
the the boat slips. So that, that's just where the best opportunities were. The problem I ran into is reflections too. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of these boats have these great big, well, I guess, buoys or floats or whatever you want to call them. And some are orange, some are bright pink so that they can be visible in the water. And then you'll, you'll have this really cool otter shot with some really pretty water. And then you see this bright pink thing and you're like, what the heck is that? So where you really had to pick from? and choose your spots. Yep. But it was kind of cool. I mean, to be able to be that close. And she was... She was used to us, but she also was, okay, I'm not totally comfortable with you guys. Right. But we just sat down. We just went to one of those empty yep. slips, sat down, and then she would pop up 10 feet away, crunching on whatever they were eating. It sounded like they were eating ice. Yeah. Like when I'm chewing ice, it's just super loud. And then or, tell yeah. me, I didn't see it, but you said that... Uh, so the interaction between the mom and the pup was kind of cool because the pup would come up almost like she wanted a nurse. Yeah. But you were saying something else that you saw. Yeah. So the the uh, mother, the pup would come up and it, it was very, very vocal. So it was making these squeaks. And it, yeah, that's kind of the uh, or kind of what I got from it is that it was wanting to nurse. It was hungry. And so mom wasn't having it. She wasn't going to let this little one nurse. And so she just, she had about four of these barnacles, oysters, whatever they were, on her chest as she's backstroking through the water, crunching away. And she just grabbed one, handed it to the pup, and then went right back to eating. And it was hilarious. I I wish I would have had it on video so people could see, but it, it was fun to watch. I wish I had seen that. I had no idea. I, th- I didn't see that interaction. I just saw that pup coming over constantly. Like, hey, I want a nurse, and she wasn't yeah. letting him do it, and or letting it do it. So to have that handoff is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, there's hilarious. a lot of stuff, and that little pup is big enough. It's not a little little pup. It's big right. enough now. It's last year's probably baby. That it's definitely you can see the size difference between the, the adult and the little one, but it's old enough that it can go down and get its own food. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They would both dive and go down and pop up and. And mom would come up, like, she'd face us. She knew where we were. Obviously, she could probably hear us from the dock. Um, She knew where we were. And so she'd come back up, and she'd look at us, but she had whatever it was in her hands, and she just went right to eat, and as soon as she popped up out of the water. The pup would come up, and if it saw us, it would, you know, dart back under the water, and it would pop up about, you know, 15 10, 15 yards further away. I found that anytime the pup came up next to his mom. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. But if it happened to pop up 10 feet away from mom, it was, um, Game I'm going to get back over to yeah. mom or I'm going to go down again. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of cool. But it was, if nothing else, you know, being a Wyoming kid, it was something way different and really fun to watch. You just observe. Just it. to see that activity. I yeah. mean, because I could have stayed there. Well, I did. I ended up stopping shooting and just sat there and watched them. You know, that's half yeah. of why we do this stuff, right? Because you yep. just get to sit there and watch wildlife. All right. So then we, uh, oh, I think we should make a comment about our eating situation. They pretty much, you know, you've talked about in the summertime, this place is nonstop, but they decided in the winter they're just going to roll up the streets about eight here. 
and it doesn't get dark until 8.30. So we're out wanting to find something to shoot. And all the websites still say that these restaurants are open, but they're not. So we've struggled. We went in two places, places last night where they're like, oh, no, we're not Sorry, cooking we're anymore. Closed. Yeah. yeah. They're still, doors are still open. You can walk in, but they're like, ah, we don't have any food. So, yeah, it's, uh, just know if anybody ever decides to come up here, it's, it's one of those deals where bring a lot of food with you. Bring your food or go to Safeway. And we ended up finding a little pizza joint that was still open. I think we were the last people there, too. I think it was the last pizza they made. Cause it they wanted like they to be closed, but yeah. they were kind enough to, to stay kind open. enough to feed us. Stay yeah. open for us. So, Okay, then we got out this morning. And we've been getting out about, what, 7.30-ish? Yeah, 7, 7.30. It doesn't get light until, or the sun, I shouldn't say it doesn't get light, um, but the sun doesn't crest the hill till about 7.30, quarter to 8 in the morning. The days are getting longer on the back end than they are in the morning. So. Right. And then there's those big mountains off to the east, so you have to wait. Yeah, for exactly. Those. Wait for the sun to come over the mountain. It's beautiful. I mean, if you're a landscape person, man, this is... Yeah, it'd be a great opportunity. stuff. So we got out there and did our thing this morning and drove to all the usual spots that we've been hitting, and uh, we didn't see too much. Actually, we saw an eagle on some man-made, what was it? It's like a, it's where they dock these big cruise ships. Pier, pillar, yeah. Yeah, something. And there was an eagle sitting on that, and while it's cool to shoot that, we were like, ah, let's go see if we can find one in a more natural Habitat. So we drove on a little bit more to all the other little places where we've been seeing eagles. We didn't see anything, so we ended up going back to that because mm. we figured that eagle would still be there. And we ended up shooting that eagle for a while. And it's kind of cool because if for video, I want to tell that story. And again, if I go back to that whole thought process of, well, I could sell this footage for stock or I could sell this footage for, um, well, I could tell our own stories with it. And it's part of the story. I mean, eagles are here. If you go out on that spit, there are not a lot of non-man-made things that are tall and perchable. There's no trees out there. Right. So the only thing they're going to perch on is either on a dike that is raised up on the water and they're right on the ground or on a root ball like we talked about. Or they're on an antenna. They're on a boat. They're on a light pole. Yep. They're on one of these piers. So... As far as storyline goes, in reality, I'm thinking, okay, this we should shoot this. I mean, they are on this big, massive piece of steel, but it's still a wild bird that's out there, and it really is what you would see if you came to Alaska. So I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm like, ah, you know, Animal, Animal Planet, when I was shooting for them last year, they would use that stuff. They, it's it's Alaska, right. so let's, yeah. let's stop and shoot it. And it ended up being kind of a cool little shoot. Um, same situation where we didn't have to, we were able to park right there, set up our tripods right next to the the car and shoot away. And with video, and you've pointed it out before, uh, but with video you have to be really conscious of wind because you are shooting motion, but the same thing that's causing the motion in the grass or the motion on the water is causing, you know, causing motion everywhere. So one of the reasons that we shot right next to the car that you pointed out right away and with your experience shooting next to the window, the car's blocking some of that breeze, so you're not moving, especially if you're shooting slow motion, it's not moving your camera around. Yeah, you got a great big windbreak. It was yeah. perfect. 
a perfect windbreak because that wind was coming right at us. So I actually sucked in. I opened my car, my driver's door, set up my tripod in between the door and the door's open and I'm between the seat and the door. And then I rolled the window down a little bit enough to get my lens through there. So the only thing that was really exposed to the wind is the end of my lens. And it helps tremendously. I've been in situations over shooting bears across Cook Inlet where you're out on the tidal flats and it's super windy. Or not super windy, it's breezy. But if you're shooting at 560 or 600, any little movement is going to show up in video. And I see it all the time. It gets used all the time. I'm just so, I'm such a purist. You just want that solid, perfect video. What I found that worked out there was I would carry an umbrella. Mm-hmm. And I would set up, and then I would, a lot of times there's somebody that's not doing something over there when we were shooting those bears, like our guide. The guide. I'd yeah. ask them, hey, can you come over and just hold this umbrella and cut the wind for me just so I can get three or four good shots without shaky camera? So the Dakar door this morning was perfect. Yeah. So we shot those eagles for, again, well, no, we probably didn't. It wasn't as minutes. long this time. There were two. Half hour. Started with one. And then... Another juvenile flew in. And, and this goes back to Mike's uh, pre-record. This juvenile flew in. So the, the adult, the mature bird, was on a pillar that was pretty close to the shore. Still, you know, out in the water. But it was a lot closer to the shore. And then all of a sudden I looked up. And there was a juvenile sitting in the same spot, and the adult had moved off to another, another pillar that was like, what, 20, 15, 15 yards away, maybe? Yep, but further out towards further the Further out, yeah. And uh, I, I yelled at Mike, I said, like, did you get that? Like, either did you get it or turn on your pre-record right now, and what happened? Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> for some reason, my camera won't hold the time. I, you know, if you don't use it for a couple of weeks, it resets itself to January 1st, year 2000. And yesterday when I downloaded all the footage, I noticed it was January 1st. So when I went out this morning, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to set the time. And I can do it through an app on my phone. So I'm like, ah, oh, we're shooting an eagle on a metal pier. It's cool, but it's not like that killer shot. So I'm just going to take a second here and set the time on my camera. And while I was doing that, you said that, and I looked up, and, I'm, and it's a whole different bird in my viewfinder, and I wasn't recording any of it. I didn't have the pre-record <laughs> on. I didn't hit record. It, it would have been kind of cool, and I'm sure that immature bird probably flew up, pushed that other bird off. The other bird's like, oh, okay, you can have my spot. Goes and jumps on the other pillar, and and then they eventually both got on the same pillar, and we were yeah. able to get those shots too. So it, it was just eagles being eagles. It wasn't like there was a territory thing or anything in fact right. that that immature bird could have been imprinted on that that adult who knows but right but it ended up being pretty cool even though it was on man-made stuff and there's definitely definitely a use for that footage and the good thing about that situation is yeah you're, it's not an award-winning shot mm-hmm. it's a storytelling shot but for you it's a practice thing right exactly just to continue to, to get some more work with the video, continue to work on video exposure because it is, it's different. I mean, with a, a still image, I pretty much know, you know, in the middle of the day, this is going to be my aperture, this is going to be my shutter speed. I know where that exposure is going to be. But with video, you have to slow your frame rates down. And you can kind of, 
you can kind of expand on that. And I know you've talked about it before when we did the video podcast. But if I'm shooting at a thirty or thirty frames a second, I want to be at a sixtieth of a second with my shutter speed. Right. And if I'm shooting slow motion at you know four times thirty, I was at one twentieth, and that's where that's where I was at with my uh, with my frame rate or my shutter speed for those slow motion clips. And so I was trying to match that frame rate. So to do that, there was still enough light that at one twenty fifth of a second, it was going to blow everything out. So you've got to play with those other elements in the exposure triangle. I bumped the ISO way down. I gave myself a little bit more depth of field, even though, you know, I wanted the background to kind of fall off that increase or close down aperture, excuse me, cuts a lot of that light so I can properly expose for that eagle's head again. So are you shooting with the neutral density or no? I don't have a neutral density filter, and that's why I had to do that. Okay. You know, you said you have one in, that I have you the have drop a in. drop in in your lens. But I actually have one. What size is the end of that? Oh, it's huge. It's like 95 millimeter. It's that's not the like a 77 or an 82? No. Oh. That's why I don't have one. I have an 82 that's a... I have an graduated 82 graduated or, uh, variable, variable yep, that you just rotate. Okay. It goes from two to eight stops. So with my shorter lenses, I'm fine. But with so, that big lens, which is what I was shooting with, I have to play with those other elements to make sure that I'm not overexposed. And you can still shoot video on these other settings. I mean, you can shoot video at 250th of a second at F8 and at 24 frames a second if you want to. It just ends up... It's all a personal preference thing. It's it's Hollywood. It's TV land. That's uh, everybody. All these pros are like, oh, you got to shoot at twenty four frames because it looks more like film. You know, everybody's like, oh, it looks just so much better. But honestly, I don't know. I mean, I either shoot at twenty four frames, thirty frames, or slow mo. And then my camera is set up, and I do have the neutral density, so I can cut it. So I do stay within that. But I've also shot stuff on the fly with my DSLR where it's like, oh, I got to get this. I don't have time to screw on a neutral density. I don't have time to do this. Right. And to be honest with you, the way we use our footage most of the time is it might be two or three seconds that of this clip that gets thrown in there. And in two or three seconds, you're probably not going to see something like that. I guess that really works. If, you, if you're trying to do a video like Animal Planet or, or not Animal Planet, uh, Planet Earth, Mm-hmm. And you want to have these really long, drawn-out scenes. I guess that's where you'd really see that filmy look, and that it just has that cinematic kind of feel to it. So mm-hmm. it's it's pretty. I guess it's critical to stay there if you have time and you're set up. If you're not, I would not shoot not not shoot something because you don't have a neutral density filter. I'd still right. shoot it. Oh no, that's what I was doing. But I, I was just. I'm trying to stay within those calculated uh, those parameters. Parameters, yeah. Right. So that I can kind of get used to working within that, and and I could get I could get the exposure proper or balanced, I guess, by increasing or decreasing those other elements. So that's what I was, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to stay at the proper frame rate or uh, shutter speed. Mm-hmm. For the frame rate. That's what, now it's all coming back to me because you asked me, you're like, I'm at 64 ISO. And I'm like, 
And then you should ask me, and I was at 800 ISO, but I right. have that drop in neutral yep. density. And that's why. And at 800 with the drop in neutral density, I was still, I, sh- I could have went down lower. I shoot at 800 on that red camera because that's supposedly the native right. ISO for that camera. So I try to stay there, but a lot of times I'll go down or up just to get it. Like this morning, it was kind of dark. It was, yeah. It was definitely a different story. So I ended up pushing up to 1280 because I didn't want to take the neutral density off. Mm-hmm. You know, so you end up playing with it. It all looks pretty good. That was pretty cool. Cool to see man-made stuff. Cool to put it in there. It's what exists. Might as well do it. Yeah. And then, you you know, we found another pair of birds that were kind of up on the dike. And uh, if you look in the background, I mean, the background of this shot, you probably wouldn't have taken a still if it, if you did. It was just for documentation purposes because there was a, a large Coast Guard vessel behind it. But then the mountains were behind that. And, you know, that, like you said, Mike's comment at the time was that's, that epitomizes Alaska right there. That, that speaks right. Alaska to everybody. Yeah, you got a big Coast Guard boat, ship. I don't know. I better say <laughs> ship. I better say it right. It was a big one. A big Coast Guard. You got an eagle in your foreground, and then you got these huge mountains in the background. And I'm thinking, that, again, it's it's definitely got some appeal for a network or for a, a bunch of different projects. So if you shoot it right, you know, I made sure you could see the U.S. Coast Guard. It's a little out of focus in the distance, but you got this eagle right in front. It was it was cool. It ended up being really cool. So I got all those shots initially. Then I just did the same thing we've doing with all these eagles, just 10 feet at a time. You just move forward and move forward until you kind of isolate that eagle. And it, essentially, he's on something man-made too, right? It was all yeah. a dike that was rock, but it doesn't look as man-made because it's on rock right. so you can isolate it it could have been any island any the eagle could have been sitting on a rock out there so yeah it'll definitely work for all kinds of things and then i i ended up i didn't screw up i had my pre-record and that eagle <laughs> flew off when that boat went by yep but i wasn't in slow-mo there's always something it's always something where you're like oh this shot would have been so much better if i'd have been shooting slow-mo and the eagle took off and I'd got that slow wing beat coming off, but I was in uh, regular speed shooting at 24 frames or 30 frames a second, whatever I was doing. Still looks cool, but it would have yeah. been cooler in slow-mo. Live and learn. It's always something. I mean, I, I don't care. Whatever I'm shooting, it's I always think of something that, oh, it would have been so much better right. if I'd have done this, or if I'd have done this, or if I'd have shot this way, or if I'd have had... Or, you know, your battery's dying when the good stuff's going on. Or sometimes my camera, too, will just shut off out of the blue. That's the problem with some of these cameras is they're so finicky. Right. And you get them out when it's super cold or you get them out when it's... I've noticed, too, I can pick up my camera and put it over my shoulder. And we're talking, I don't know, 25 pounds worth of camera. And I'll just sling it over my shoulder, just go up 10 feet or whatever and something must tweak inside of it because it'll just i'll hear the fans kick on and then all of a sudden it's rebooting itself and then gives me this little nasty message that said you should really shut your camera off before you restart it and i'm like you the camera did it all by itself you it did to get i, I didn't did. do anything i just was walking <laughs> with it but um yeah so there's uh, i guess my point is there's always a different way always a better way it seems like every shot i do it doesn't that happens a lot more than me coming away saying, oh, that was so... Per- I had it all dialed in. 
I mean, it was just perfect. I think what those kind of shots come with, when I get to the point where I was like, oh, I did that perfect. You know, I had the animal doing the right thing. I had it moving the way I wanted. I was on the right shutter speed or, or a frame rate that I wanted. Mm-hmm. That happens after day five, six, seven, and you've had a chance to... Screw up a few times in the exactly. meantime. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of... Yes? That kind of leads us right into the big... It wasn't a screw up because it was nothing that we could control. But we go from those eagles, we drive around, uh, drive around the harbor and get over near this hotel. And I saw another bird that was on the ground. And that leads up to the moment that almost made me cry this morning. It's just, you know, you hear people talk about it with fishing. It's always the one that got away. It's the shot that got away. It's the shot that got away. And it happens all the time. And you still got to see it, right? But go ahead and kind of explain. Because we had stopped and we were going to go try to get some So we left the Coast Guard shot. Right. And they were going, actually we were getting ready to come back to the cabin to download our stuff. And we, you're like, oh, let's just make one more loop to see if there's any eagles around. Come around the corner and there's an eagle on the beach, which is what we want. We want this natural... You know, it's uh, there's a lot of debris that washes up with the tides, and debris as in wood, you know, lots of logs and twigs and not trash. It's all natural debris that's up there. And you see this eagle sitting down there, and you see him kind of walking. I say him. You say it. Walking up and down the beach, and we're like, maybe they're looking. it's looking for something to eat. Mm-hmm. Well, I so, thought when I saw that, because it was bending over as well, I thought it did have something there. Like it was eating on a like duck or a fish or something. Or something. Yeah. So and you see that and you think, okay, we got time. Let's go park, get our tripods, get our gear, walk out to the beach, and then do our thing. You know, 75 yards away, 100 yards away, let's shoot our few shots and then do our leapfrog thing and just move in closer. Because if he is eating something, chances are you're going to be able to be there for, you know, it'll probably be there for an hour. If it's eating on something. So we think, oh, okay, we got all the time. So we're not in any kind of hurry at all, I guess is the point. And I don't even have my camera out. I have my tripod out, and you have your tripod out and I your camera out. I just got my tripod out. And I, no, I you didn't have your camera. camera was still in the truck. When you yelled, do you? <laughs> I look over, and I see this eagle coming flying at me, and he's holding the stick. Or bringing a stick out. And it was not a small stick. No, it was and flying eye level right at us and i'm just sitting there and i I yelled at i yelled at you i was like hey uh do you have your still camera out it would have been so easy to nail that shot and the background was perfect and and what it is is there's an eagle down there that's building a nest on a big antenna giant antenna giant antenna on the top of this antenna there's an eagle nest and that eagle is from that nest and sure enough i mean we were what 50 yards from that antenna so that eagle flew right over us and went right up to that nest. Straight and Straight up the to the off. nest and, yep. So now and we know. We so, missed it. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> missed it. But now we know if you get down there and you see an eagle walking through all that debris, there might be a pretty good chance that, hey, let's just sit right here. Let's not try to walk out to the beach and miss that shot. Let's stay right where we were at, which was perfect, because he's going to fly right over us and be set up for that shot. 
So that's the goal. We'll see if that actually happens. Yeah. And the what made that a, a, such a good opportunity was a gigantic stick. And that's going to require them to fly a little bit flatter and not just go straight up to the nest. Yep. So he's got to he's got to get a little bit of steam built up to haul that big of a stick. Oh, had I had my steel high. camera, I bet I could have I could have banged off 40, 50 shot, 40, 50 shots in the time that because it took him a while right. to get altitude and also get some speed and get up to that. It would have been awesome. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. It happens. Well, now we know. I think it's a, I mean, that good, happens everywhere, right? It's a good area to continue to go back and recheck and just even just spend some time, be patient, wait there for a bit. It is quite amazing. I don't know how many nests we've seen, but I know I can think of right off the top of my head, I can think of five different nests that we've seen mm-hmm. within a, what, two mile stretch? Two, three mile stretch, yeah. So, and that's just the ones we're seeing. Who knows how many are just even closer. So, anyhow, I mean, awesome place. I think our first day, and I don't know, did we talk about this beginning of the podcast? First day was awesome because we we got on a boat. We got out to a remote island. There's tons of eagles. We got all kinds of cool stuff. And then we come back to reality. Yeah. Then we come back to, okay, this is still really good. There's still lots of stuff to shoot, but it's not going to be like nonstop eagles. Now we're going to have to really search. Pick our shots. Pick our pick, shots. Yep. Do a little research. Talk to the locals. Do as much as we can to figure out where can we go. And then look at the other species. I guess the other thing that we got yesterday, and I was really happy with it. And we, we got, when we were walking out to try to find those other eagles, mm-hmm. when we were coming back, we found, what? 50 crows? Yeah, a bunch of crows. A murder murder of crows? Murder of crows. crows. Mass murder. And it was, (laughs) I mean, they were so tolerant. I mean, we were 10 feet. They actually flew in and landed right next to us, and so it was kind of cool to get some crow shots. Yeah, and you could kind of pick the the roost that you wanted to photograph. Right, it was that many birds. There was a bird on every stick. Yep. Yep. All right, so day three, Homer, Alaska. We'll probably do one more. We're going to go out on the boat one more time just because that was so much fun. Um, I'm going to have to break my piggy bank in order to do it because it's kind of spendy, right. but it'll be fun. I'm going to sell a vehicle when we get back. <laughs> it's better than selling your house or right. a kid. Got to have a place to live. Yeah. I've already mortgaged the kids, so. <laughs> all, all right, y'all. Uh, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Hit the smash on the like button if you like any of that stuff. Send questions in. We love taking our audience questions and turning them into the podcast stuff. So hit us up over and out.